This morning I want to talk about uh, away with him. And we want to look to issues which has happened to God's people. Down through the ages, all the way to where we are today. And I want you this morning to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee in the land which thou goest to possess. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 1 and 2. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land which thou goest to possess it, and hath and has cast out many nations before thee, and he mentioned the name. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor shew mess unto them. So God is calling them, you are peculiar people unto me. When you go to possess the land that you are going to possess, do not make league with this nation. The same chapter, 23 and 24. But the Lord thy God shall deliver them unto thee, and shall destroy them with a mighty destruction until they be destroyed. And he shall deliver their kings unto thine hand. And thou shalt destroy their names from under heaven. There shall no man be able to stand before thee until thou have destroyed them. So God was their first king. The very first king to the children of Israel, it is God himself. He walked with them, he talked with them, and he communed with Moses. And if you go back to look, when he called Moses to speak with him on the mountain, Moses stayed on the mountain for six days. And on the seventh day, God called him and he unraveled to him the plan of salvation. The plan of sanctuary, how God will deal with sin until it is destruction, God opened to him. So, Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. There shall no any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. You know all these verses. As I, wa I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So Joshua, who took the position of Moses, God is saying, I'm your king. Listen to what I tell you. I will stand before you. And no man will be able to stand before you as long as I am with you. Well, they got in Canaan. And when they got in Canaan, the things started to be good. And Samuel was their judge and the prophet and the priest. And people say, you know what? We need a king. We do need a king. 
Now, turn to me to 1 Samuel chapter uh, 1 Samuel, I believe, is chapter 15, starting from verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy son walk not in the ways, now make us a king to judge us like all other nations. Now problem start. Right there already, another problem start. So Samuel is old, and people are not willingly to walk in God's way. So they say, make us a king. But the thing displeased Samuel when they, they said, give us a king to judge us. And someone prayed unto the Lord. Someone prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people. In all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee. They have rejected me, and uh, that I should not reign over them. So God is telling Samuel, it's not about you, it's me. They don't want me to be their king. They don't want me to tell them what to do. They want to work in their own way. Now, let's go to this book, Patrick and Prophets, verse, uh, 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 page 605. The days of, uh, of, of, uh, the days of Israel's great, uh, greatest uh, prosperity had been those in which they acknowledged Jehovah as their king. When the laws and the government which had established were regarded as superior to those of all other nations, Moses has declared to Israel concerning the commandment of the Lord, this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all nations, which shall hear all these statues and say, sure, this great nation is wise and understanding people. But by departing from God's law, the Hebrew had failed to become the people that God desired to make them. And then all the evil which were the result of their own sin and fall, they, changed, they charged upon the government of God. So completely had they become blinded by sin. So people want to be like other nations. Are we today want to be like other Christians? Are we today want to lower God's standard? Think this thing typologically. The mistake which the children of Israel did is the same mistake today which we are doing as God's people. And this morning the quarterly was peculiar. Somebody who was set aside for peculiar mission Holy as God himself is holy. Page 606, Patrick and Prophet. The Lord has through his prophet foretold that Israel will be governed by a king. But it does not follow that this form of government was best for them. 
or according to his will. He permitted the people to follow their own choice because they refused to be guided by his counsel. Hosea declared that God gave them a king in his anger. When men choose to have their own way without seeking counsel from God or in opposition to his revealed will, he often granted their desire in order that through their bitter experience, they might learn the lesson. So the problem is, we don't want to listen to you. We want to do what we want. And that is the same mistake today, which God's people are doing. Christianity is calling itself in the name of Christ, but they don't want to follow him as a king. The problem in this issue of the great controversy is not any issue. We cannot offer anything to God except unquestioning obedience. If we can obey God, then he can lead us according to his will. Now, page 6 or 7, like all the nations, the Israelites did not realize that to be in this respect unlike other nations was a special privilege and blessings. Today being here, it is God's privilege for us to be his peculiar people. Not that we are perfect. Not that we are holy. But by obeying him, he put his supreme, his supreme regard and his blessing toward us. And through Christ, he makes us to be his special people. So Israel was not satisfied. They wanted a king. But they did not recognize that by them being special by God, they were special to him. They were to carry the name of God and his supreme regard and the light to all other nations. God has separated the Israelites from every other people to make them his own peculiar treasure. But they disregarded this high honor eagerly desire to imitate the example of the heathen. And is still the longing to conform the world practice and customer exists among the prophet's people of God. As they depart from the Lord, they become ambitious for the gain and honor of the world. Christians are constantly seeking to imitate the practices of those who worship the God of this world. Men urge that by uniting with the world and conformity to their customer, they might exert uh, a strong influence over the ungodly. But all who pursue this cause, thereby separated from the source of their strength, becoming the friend of the world, they are the enemies of God. For the sake of earthly distinction, they sacrifice the unmistakable honor to which God has called them. A showing for the praise of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Christian today is walking on the journey of the children of Israel. They disregarded God then. They didn't want him to be their king. They were complaining as how today we do complain too. We complain. We don't want this and we don't want that and we don't want that. And what made the children of Israel to stay in the wilderness for 40 years? 
murmuring and complaining. Today, the greatest problem in Christianity is to accept Christ as, the, uh, as our king and to follow him without complaining. This is the issue. And whatever we can say, whatever we can put partial obedience, there is no partial obedience on salvation. Cain and Abel, they both erected two altars. Abel erected an altar. Cain erected an altar and he put a sacrifice. But it was not according to God's dictate. We have to worship God according to his own dictate. We have to follow God according to his own dictate. It's not our own dictate. And an example of our worship and obedience is described in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 4, whereby the angels and the hosts of heaven, they are worshiping and their attitude is toward the king who is sitting on the throne. It's not on themselves. Our worship has to be according to God, not, to, not according to us or according to our will. It's according to him. Because when Adam and Eve sin, in themselves, they had nothing to save them. And they were given that a redeemer has to come. You cannot now resist the devil. The power has to come from somewhere, from above, so that you can stand against him. So it's the same thing today. John verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 12 to 16. And from henceforth the Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Now, this is the time of Israel. They rejected God to be their king, and God still gave them another choice. Jesus came to this planet. He walked among men. He walked and he taught, and time has come for the Israelites, the Jews people, to accept him as their king for the second time. Thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever make himself a king speaketh against Caesar. All these verses, you know them. Verse, uh, verse th uh, 13. When Pilate therefore heard that, that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement. But in Hebrew, Kabbalah. And it was the preparation of the Passover. And about six hours, and he said unto the Jews, Behold, you are king. God was their king. And Jesus came to his people as a king. To set up a spiritual kingdom that his people might accept him as their king and be converted to spiritual kingdom. They wanted a temporal kingdom. What was the problem? They had all the prophecies. They had all the writings. But they wanted a temporal king who will take away the Roman government throw it outside and start Jews' nation as a mighty kingdom on earth. And just say, no, I did not come to settle this. And Pilate here say, this is a heathen. He say, behold, you are king. If you, 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 you watch uh, this uh, bulletin, you see down here, 
in this picture is a nice uh, portrait. He said, behold, you are king. But they cried out, away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. And do you know, if you read this chapter over here, when they say crucify him, they took Jesus and they crowned him. They put a crown of thorn before him. They gave him a scepter as a king. And they bowed in the hell. They bowed before him. So despite that they rejected Christ as the king, in their angry, in their way where they didn't want him as the, the king, yet they, cry, they crowned the king of glory. And if you look this typological, though today the world is not willing to accept Christ as their king, yet one day Jesus will reign in this planet as the king of kings and lords of lords. When sinners and sinners will be eradicated forever. Despite that they rejected him and they wage war against him, yet all the prophecies in the time and eschatological prophecies were being fulfilled at that particular time. Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, We have no king, but who? But Caesar. That was the time. Do you think today, in our time today, we have a king who is known as Caesar? Do you think the world today is under Caesar and Christ again for the third time is giving this planet another opportunity that you accept me as your king? Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Now let's go back. This PowerPoint is giving me hard time, but this is found in Patrick and, and Prophet when Moses was going to die on the Mount of Horeb. So that's where the chapter is. The PowerPoint is, is but and now another sin passed before him. This is Patrick and Prophet in the chapter when Moses was on the mountain when he was going to die. And now another sin passed before him. He had been showing the working of Satan in leading the Jews to reject Christ. While they professed to honor his father's law, he now saw the Christian world under similar deception. So we are talking about their time. Now we are talking about our time today. Now Moses is standing before God, and before his time to sleep on death, God tells him, I want to show you what will happen. So today, God is giving us another time. He had heard from the priest and the elders the phrase, cry away with him. Crucify, crucify him. And now he heard from professed Christian teacher, the cry, away with the Lord. Do you hear that today? Do you hear in the Christian pulpit, away with the Lord? We are not under the law, we are under grace. You know, in this quarter this morning, somebody said, 
God's covenant has been the same. Today again, Jesus is standing before the world to say, accept me as your king. By you obeying my voice, by you listening to what I say, if you are willing to obey my voice, you accept me as the king. Now today, Moses is watching the event culminating the second coming of Jesus through down the ages. And here, prophets, Christian teachers and pastors, theologians, you can call their name, away with the law. He saw the Sabbath totally underfoot and spiritual institution established in its place. Again, Moses saw, Moses was filled with astonishment and awe. How could those who believe Christ reject the law spoken by his own voice upon the sacred mountain? So Moses told not only the Jews will reject Christ, but to watch prophets Christian. And I want to tell you today, brothers and sisters, Christian idolatry is the worst deception ever brought to mankind. When people call themselves Christian, yet they reject Christ as their king and as their savior. When you call yourself a Christian, you, call, you, you carry the Bible and you, you, you are satisfied that you are Christian, but really you are not in harmony with God. This is the deception. You know, modern Babylon is worse than ancient Babylon. Modern Babylon is worse because it calls itself Christianity, yet it step on Jesus Christ. It takes him away from his position. It throws his character and his superiority away and put another man over there, yet call yourself Christian. It is worse. This is the worst deception ever brought to mankind. Now, How could they that fear God set aside the law? Which is the foundation of his government? In heaven and earth, with Jehovah Moses saw, saw the law of God still honored and exalted by a, a, a faith few. He saw the last great struggle of earthly power to destroy those who keep God's law. Another test is now, and it will become more worse as we go. The issue which is at stake, accept Jesus as your king and be obedient to bow to him in all his law. Or put him aside and put another God who it has, he has all the attribute of Caesar. They say we don't have a king who has Caesar. And these are God's people. Today, Christian world, they say, we don't need your law. We don't have nothing to do with your law. We want to live the way we want, yet to be called by your name. Now, I want to read in this little book here. A spiritual uh, gift. And some of the people might have this small copy. But the chapter that I'm reading is in Testament, Volume 1, Chapter 2, 23. There it say, it say our denomination, in this little book here, is an old book, it say, Seventh-day Adventist. So I want to read it to you what it say here. Because 
if we will not be careful in studying the scripture and looking how God has been dealing with the sin and what is the problem, we might be deceived. The Seventh-day Adventist, if you have this little book, Spiritual Gift, is volume 3 and volume 4, and it's chapter 54. I was shown in regard to the remnant people of God taking a name. And this chapter was the, sum, was the, uh, was the summon of our president, the General Conference president, when president said, remember your name. Remember what your name means. God gave you that, this name. Is not yours. God gave you because he called you out of the world and he brought you that you can show his graces. That was the message our president was sending to the world. Remember where you were. God pulled you out. He gave you the name. You are movement. He started this movement. It's not yours. Walk in humble, in obedience, in diligence and seek God with all your heart. So I saw, I was shown in regard to the remnant people of God taking a name. Two classes were presented before me. One class embraced the great bodies of prophets Christians. They were trampling upon God's law and bowing to a papal institution. This is from the spirit of, of prophets. You cannot get more clear than this. And I want to tell you today, this woman was a prophet, I believe. She was a prophet. And God led her to write these things so that we, we may not be duped, not be deceived to all the lies which are outside there, which are deceiving people. They were keeping the first day of the week as the Sabbath of the Lord. The other class were but a few in number. And were bowing to the great lawgiver. They were keeping the fourth commandment. The peculiar and prominent features of their faith. Were the observance of the seventh day. And they are waiting for, for the appearings of our Lord from heaven. So two classes. There are not many. Brothers and sisters, there are not many classes. And if you look this example, if you go very back to the book of uh, uh, Genesis chapter 4, when the children of uh, 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 when uh, uh, Cain and Abel stood and worshipped, those are two classes. All the people today who are trying and striving to follow God's character, they are the children of Abel. And people today who are trying to set away God's law and try to stand on their own merit, they are children of Cain. There is no two classes, uh, there is no five classes, or three or four, it's only two classes. Only two. This is, is tough. Despite of all this religion outside there, all what is going on, there is only what? Two classes. And if you read the great controversy, the last page, it says when the throne of God will be set in the universe, when God will be there to reveal to Satan all what he has been ruining his creation throughout the ages, Cain, the father of all rebellious 
and people who were not only against God and were willing to, to take lives of those who follow God, he will be appear as the father of all the rebellious family. And Abel will appear as the father of all who were willing to, to obey and to walk in God's way. So there are two classes. They are not men. The conflict is between the requirement of God and the uh, is between the requirement of God and the requirements of the beast. The first day a papal institution which directly contradicts the fourth commandment is yet to be made a test by the two honoring beasts. Whether we like it or not, whether we want to speak it as how it is or not, and today we know people don't want to hear this, but it's coming. The Bible says, I'm God, I change not. If God says it's coming, it's coming. And then the fearful warning which from God declared the penalty of bowing to the beast and his image, they shall drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture in the cup of his wrath. No name which we can take will be appropriate, but that which accords with our profession and expresses our faith and makes us a peculiar people. God has called us, not because we are better, or because we are many in number, but because of his supreme love. And he tells a sinner like me, he says, you know, you sinner, Eskia, you are a sinner, but I will hold your hand so you can tell others about my love. We are not better than all other people outside there. I don't want, I don't want to be understood. We are not better than them. But by us being called out from the world, God is saying, I'll walk with you. I know you, you are a sinner. But if you depend on me, I'll correct you until you make it. And then tell others about him what? My truth. It's simple as that. It's not that we are perfect. It's not, the, it's not that we are holy. We are sinner as other people. But being called out, then... The message that we are carrying makes us different. If you have a pot or an envelope which has diamond and gold and you put diamond in there, why do you care for it? Because the diamond is there. The supreme regard of God, the supreme grace of God to this planet, this dying planet, the planet which has no hope. Chaos all over the globe. Everywhere is turmoil and wars and bloodshed. God say, the people are guessing. But you have prophets on your side. And because you have prophets on your side, show others that this world is just here, but the better kingdom is coming. But before that, you have to accept me as your king. And you have to accept me as your God. And you have to walk and depend on me because if you depend on me, I will make you to look like me. That's what Christ wants. He wants when you look at somebody, he sees himself. He sees his character. So we are not better than all other people outside there. But by calling out 
from the world, then the message we are carrying is special. And God, his eyes is upon us. With our weakness, with our shortcomings, yet he say, I'm in the midst of you. If you put away your differences, if you put away your problems, if you put away whatever makes difference, then I'll make you to be with me one day. Now, the name Summer's Day Adventist. In this little book, is standing rebuke to the Protestant world. Let me repeat this chapter, uh, this little quote here. The name Seventh-day Adventist is a standing rebuke to the Protestant world. Here is the line of distinction between the worship of God and those who worship the beast and receive his mark. The great conflict is between the commandment of God and the requirement of the beast. Our name is a standing rebuke. The seventh day Adventist. People who are waiting, people who keep the seventh day of the week, and they are waiting for the second coming of who? Of Jesus. That is our name. And this name, if you look at it, is it, God took it from the three angel messages. The first angel messages, bow to the creator, worship God, lift up his standard, lift up his law. That's all about. Call people out from the world. Let them come away from Babylon because Babylon will be destroyed. That is our name. And you know, if today we, re we reject our name, if we reject our, our message, we reject what God gave us. Now, most of people here are parents. The kids who listen to you most, you love him or her most. And God, what he requires from us, can we obey him? The issue is obedience. Our name is engrafted in these three verses. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, 8, it goes away to 300 messages. That is our name, the seventh day Adventist. And God is watching it and Satan is angry at, it, at this particular church. Revelation 12 say what? And the dragon was what? Was wrath with the woman. Why? Because he keep God's commandment. It is because the saints are keeping all the Ten Commandments. In this little book, it is because the saints are keeping all Ten Commandments that the dragon makes war upon them. And if they will lower the standard, and yield the peculiarity of their faith, the dragon will be at peace. Lower down the message. Put down the standard. Satan says, okay, now we're fine. 
We find because you can call yourself Seventh-day Adventist, but as long as you lower down the standard, we find, we cool, we can go along. The problem which is at stake is the pure and mixed. And mixed without any human philosophy, character of God. And diluted message. That is the problem. And certainly what he's watching is to try to keep us from not telling the world what is about to happen. If you read the great controversy, Satan is holding the multitude in captive. So Christ can come out from the heavenly sanctuary. Once he gets away from there, he has no, nothing to do with them. He just leaves them. Where will he, they cannot go nowhere. So what he's trying now is to try to make us that we can have any kind of obstacle, any problem, so we don't have to evangelize. We don't have to tell people. And if we tell them, we tell them something which is Lord. So Jesus can come out from that room. Because you know today, if we're any sinner, if we're any murderer, whoever did anything wrong, if we accept Jesus and come to him, he will be forgiven. So what he's trying to work the war is keep them over there. Keep them to fight each other. Keep them to have this and that and that and that. So the time get out and just get out from that heavenly sanctuary. That's what he is. He is trying. He is working so hard so we may not do what we're supposed to do. The Israelites, they shut themselves from the nation around. Instead of telling people the truth, they had it themselves. They even wrote, if you read in the Desire of Ages, the outer court, they even wrote in different names outside the outer wall that no any hidden nation should come to the sanctuary. Today, Satan has just twisted it. Let them lower the standard. Let me ask you this question. Do you think people outside there, when they watch the news, when they watch what is happening, they have a question in their mind? Few of us, uh, uh, not few, more, uh, many of us, we were there on the Sabbath day when we had that little meeting past Sabbath. Did you hear those questions? People ask questions which are vital. Questions which are the center of salvation. And people, some of them, they were brought in that life. They don't know anything, but they ask themselves, what's going on? Something is wrong. Something is not right. And who God gave authority to tell them is you and me. Not because we are perfect. Not because we are holy. But because God has called us that he can use us weak vessel to proclaim his character. As people are watching the news, they have questions. They don't know what is happening and they're asking the, themselves what's going on. And the only, the one can tell them is you and me. And if we be quiet, well, to whom is given much, much is, is required. For me and you to be quiet, we make it even worse. It's better to go and say it in love, in patience, with much prayer, 
much fasting and tear, but tell them, turn away from your sin. Come back to God because Jesus is coming again. But God's people inside the air of the dragon because they have dared to raise the standard and unfear their banner in opposition to the Protestant world who are worshipping the institution of the papers. Here is the issue. If our name stands as the rebuke to the Protestant world, let me take you back to the ancient palace when King Herod had his guest and when they were playing and they were having fun and the king was so pleased and the daughter, Herodias' daughter was playing in front of the king and the king said, you know what? Ask me what you want. Even a half of my kingdom I'll give you. And where did she, she, she run? She didn't she did not decide it herself. She went to the mom. Mom, well, the king said, I can ask you anything. And he can give me anything, even half of his kingdom. And the mother said, take this basin. Tell the king, you want the head of John the Baptist. Do you think, who will put God's people in persecution? is the sister, is the Protestant world. The Protestant world will march to Rome and say, we cannot go with this. They are the cause of all the, the problems. And Rome will tell the politician, put the law, all should worship on Sunday. That is the typology. Go back and read it over, over there, in the book of Deserve of Wages. It is a typology. The one who will ask for the head of the John Baptist is not Rome. Rome will just hear the Protestants. The Protestants are running to, 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 her, to the mummy. They are going back to the mummy. And this very year, 2017, the Lutherans are going back to the mother saying, we are sorry. 500 years of Protestant Luther is gone. We are here again to you. We apologize for what happened. We are ready to listen to you. So the daughter will tell the mom, to command the king of this planet to execute judgment upon all those who worship God in his holy day. I'm finishing. Two more quotes and one verse. There's the name Seventh day Adventist carries the true features of our faith. In front, and it will convict the inquiring mind like an arrow from the Lord's quiver, it will wound the transgressor of God's law. And it will lead the repentant toward God and faith in our Lord, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are standing in the threshold of eternity. They rejected God as their king. They chose Saul. And you know what Saul did. And yes, again, God again gave the Jews another time. Christ is here, a humble king. To set a spiritual kingdom, accept him, they rejected him. Today again, in this 21st century, is the same thing. I put between you ten commandments. God's law. Get away from the world. 
and a Sabbath, which was set by a uh, man, instead of true Sabbath of the Lord. Which one will you choose? I was shown that almost every fanatic who has rise, who wishes to hide the sentiment that may lead away others claim to belong to the church of God, such a name will excite suspicions at once. For the most absurd errors are concealed under this name. This name is too indefinite for the remnant people of God. The influence of such a name will lead to the supposition that we have a faith we wish to cover up. My brothers and sisters, away with Jesus, the Protestant world today, they are rejecting God's law. They are rejecting the entire atonement. If you remove the God, if you remove God's law, you remove the sanctuary. And if you remove the sanctuary, you remove the plan of salvation. And who is in the center of the plan of salvation? Is just himself. You take him away from his position. You put something in a substitute which is not even close to himself. And Satan wants us to be satisfied with the partial obedience. And God will not accept partial obedience. If there is a partial obedience, Jesus will not have died on the cross. Which is difficult for Jesus to die or partial obedience? Which one is easy? To lower a little standard or Jesus to die? The difficulty, it was Jesus to die on the cross. But he died that the standard is so high that he has to offer himself for sinner, me and you. And only our salvation depends on total dependence on him. Striving through his power to meet the standard. There is no lowering the standard. Striving through his power, his grace, and his compassion love to meet the standard. No lowering the standard. Roman 6 verse 16. Now you know that whom ye yield yourself servant to obey, his servant you are to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death, of, or, or of obedience unto righteousness. A great controversy, page 503. In rejecting the truth, many reject its author. In trampling upon the law of God, they deny the authority of the lawgiver. It is easy to make an idol false doctrine and theory as to fashion an idol of wood or stone. By misrepresenting the attributes of God, Satan leads men to conceive him in a false character. With many philosophical idols enthroned in the place of Jehovah, while the living 
what has he revealed in his word, in Christ and in the works of creation, is worshipped by a few. Thousands defy the nature while they deny God of nature. Though in different form idolatry exists in the Christian world today, as very as it existed in ancient Israel. In the days of Elijah, the God of, prof, of many prophets, wise men, or philosopher, poet, politician, journalist, the God of published fashion cycle of many colleges and universities, even some theological institutions, is little better than Baal, the son of Phoenicia. They bow down to the wood and stone. Today, only ideologically, I can, th uh, uh, I can exalt an idol. It is subtle. This is something which is difficult. John 15, verse 10 and 14. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandment, and abide in his love. Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I do what? I command you. God say, I call you out of the world. If you accept me as your king, you are not my servant anymore. Because you know all what I do. But now, I call you my friend. This is mind-boggling. The God of universe to call sinners his friend if they abide and follow what he says. Brothers and sisters, as we are closing, we are leaving this uh, church today. God wants us to be his friend if we are willing to obey his voice. And to obey his voice, it means to tell others. There are people outside there who are perishing. They are not aware of what we know. And I believe with all my heart in all the work, the workings of men, in all the street, in all the activities of humankind in this planet, God has people who are not aware of what is, who are not aware of truth, but they have questions. And they are trying to ask. I met with one guy it's not far from here, just in his side. And he told me, I've been in all the churches. And I've been asking questions, they never answer me. So I'm worshiping God in my house. And he told me I worship on Sabbath. But I don't know, I, I, when I read in the Bible, it tells me the Sabbath is the day to worship. But I don't know the rest. So I've been going to all these churches, I don't know anything. And I ask them, they never tell me the truth. So I'm worshiping God myself. In my house. And he, he told me, he said, you know what? I was a Muslim. And I, I kept asking questions. They never answered me. So now I found that the Quran, is, he, 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 I don't understand it. So I worship God in my own house. Do you know how many people today, they worship God in the house simply because they are not aware of what we know? And who is supposed to tell them? Is me and you. God bless you as we leave this place. May we go knowing that we have a message to bear to the world. And if we be quiet, 
God is looking upon us with his supreme regard. We need to carry this message to the perishing world. God bless you.